Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Hey, Tiffany, welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast. How are you? I'm doing well. Hello. Can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, yes, yes. So hi, everyone. I'm Tiff Gibson. I am your favorite nurse educator. That's how I like to introduce myself. Um, A little bit full of myself, but that's okay, because if you don't toot your own horn, who will? Um, I am here in the world of nursing to shake things up, to disrupt what's currently happening and to make good trouble so that we can change the culture of nursing. I am a certified pediatric nurse by backgrounds. I am a certified nurse professional development specialist. And with my experience and my education, I've noticed that there is a gap in nursing related to emotional intelligence. And my goal is to use that to show nurses from all parts of the spectrum how they can uh, maintain their boundaries, uphold their values, um, resolve conflict, speak up and be an advocate for themselves and their patients and to lead with empathy. I love that. So well packaged. I love it. I love it. Yes. So tell me how you transitioned from pediatric nursing, clinical nursing to what you're doing now. Yeah. So while at the pediatric hospital, I found myself in leadership roles naturally. So charge nurse, preceptor, and then chair of a few of the nursing committees. And with that, I got to see the other side of leadership and admin. I got to see really the behind the scenes and was privy to conversations that were being happened that were happening behind closed doors. And so with that, and while still having a love for the clinical part of nursing, I wanted to be that liaison that kind of went back to the bedside to say, these are the conversations that they're having without us. <laughs> like you think that what they tell you is what it is, but you have no idea about the decision-making and what all came to be in order for us, us to get to this part. And because I've always been someone who's been curious and I've always been stubborn and never wanted to just take what it is for what it is. I always wanted to know the why. Um, I found myself wanting to be in those rooms more and more. And so in um, growing from a leader on the unit clinically, I started to become a clinical nurse educator, and that was a natural transition. Also, um, nurses always have more than one jobs in their back pocket. And so being a clinical instructor was an easy way for me to pick up an extra job to make extra money, but also to continue being that liaison with helping new nurses transition into the profession, helping them with the psychosocial aspects of nursing, which is not taught in nursing school at all. Um, And then bringing back the concerns from the new nurses to the unit to say like, when they come here, when we hire them, when we're onboarding them, these are the things that they're missing. Um, These are the things that they say that they want. So it it was a way for me to transition into that. And then I grew personally and professionally. And one of the things that I've learned 
in my development, it's not necessarily going wider and learning about a lot of things, but to go deeper. Yes, to go deeper. And so as I continue to learn more about the needs and wants of the new nurse, I realized that I couldn't exclude the experienced nurses because it's teamwork, because it's the experienced nurses that's helping out the new nurse. And then I couldn't exclude admin and managers because they're the ones that's facilitating who goes where and what and why and when. And then I couldn't exclude admin because they're the ones literally footing the bill and making the big decisions. And so in my role now from educator to leader, it's kind of like, all right, everybody, you all can get some of the smoke because you're all a part of the problem, but you're also all a part of the solution. And so that's that's how my transition happened. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And it makes me think of a holistic approach, right? In nursing, we learned yeah. that in the business world, leadership role, you're still using that same framework, so to speak. And you yeah. said something very key at the beginning, and it made me think of challenging the status quo. Many times in school, we're talking about critical thinking in terms of, you know, how we take care of a patient, but also, you know, the, the upper levels, right? The, the healthcare system, what's going on there? How are we critically thinking about that? How are we challenging the status quo? And now is the optimal time for us to do that. Tell me a little bit about how nurses now, this is an optimal time being in the middle of global pandemic. In a national nursing shortage crisis, how can nurses start to challenge the status quo to make change? Yeah. So first and foremost, it's to just speak up and use your voice. Speak up, speak out, speak loud. But to say something, you cannot you cannot just sit by and let life life. (laughs) <laughs> and not say something. And, and that could be in any situation that's happening currently in nursing right now. It literally just starts with saying something. And I also want nurses to realize that the hierarchy and in, in chain of command in saying something is not necessarily, I have to go to my charge nurse. I have to go to my manager. I, you literally can just go to the source. And so if you see something wrong on your unit and you're not happy with what that looks like, go straight to CMS. Go straight to the board of nursing. Go straight to joint commission. You don't need permission for advocacy. And I think that's where nurses are kind of teetering on. We have a great loud voice on social media, but that's not where the change makers are, right? That's not that's not where they're looking to see what's happening and what's going on. And so we need to take that advocacy off social media and to put it into good use with making the phone calls, making the emails, um, documenting what's going on and going that route. Good nuggets. And I think of courageous conversations. So how can someone start that conversation? I'm I'm sitting in the office with my manager or whomever. What's the first question or thing they could say to start the conversation? So first and foremost, from staff nurse to nurse manager, who I want everyone to realize that the nurse manager is middle management. The nurse manager does not have a lot of authority. The nurse manager does not have a lot of autonomy. And the nurse managers sometimes don't have a lot of the answers, right? They're literally middle management. They are the go-between between those in admin and those on the clinical units. And so first and foremost, the number one question they can ask is, what are the current gaps that we have here? So either here on this unit, here on this shift, here in this organization, here in this service line, what are our gaps first follow-up? And so what are we doing about addressing these gaps? 
And that's, and that's what that looks like. Because if your manager, the person who is in charge of the operations and logistics of your unit cannot identify what the problem areas are in your unit, then we have a problem, Houston. <laughs> we have a problem. And not to necessarily say that they have an answer and a solution. That's probably where you come in as a staff nurse to say, where this is where it would be helpful for us. Or here's a suggestion. Because a lot of the times it's the staff nurse, the CNA, those who are clinical that really have the good ideas because we're the ones that's doing it. And at the, at literally we're the ones that's faced with these challenges all the time. We're probably the ones that have the better idea to implement, but if we don't even know what they deem as a gap, then we can even connect our ideas to what they seem as a challenge and then move forward. Do the assessment first. Do the assessment first. I love that. So that's that's very good, but how does emotional intelligence go into having those courageous conversations? I know that's your specialty. It is. So emotional intelligence is a nutshell, is managing yourself so you can manage other people. In a nutshell, there's different domains to emotional intelligence. And what I'm currently working on is a framework of emotional intelligence specifically for nursing, specifically for what we're doing in our fields and how we operate and work with both patient facing, because that's a lot to manage patients and their emotions, but also with internally within our, you know, our peer group with our managers, that's a lot that's going on there too. So if we first know about ourselves, know are aware of ourselves, can manage ourselves, can cope with how we feel, can cope with our emotions, can understand how our feelings sometimes dictate and influence our behavior. Once we have that under control, then we can say, I am here to manage crisis conflict, other people and their emotions. I can have these conversations without reacting I can respond because there's a huge difference between reacting and responding. And right now what's happening in social media is a lot of people are leading conversations with their emotions and they are reacting without being strategic and cognitive and logical and responding. And so my goal with emotional intelligence is to say, hey, nurse, your feelings are valid but they're not facts, (laughs) you know? So how can we take this emotion that you have and this energy that you have and turn that into action? How can we take your feelings of fear or fright or whatever it is, anger, rage, and how can we turn that into strategy? Because people don't hear you when you're yelling. People don't hear you when you're crying. People may not understand your feelings, but then how can we be strategic about it? And so much of that is happening right now in nursing. And that's exactly why I do what I do in terms of stress management. Because if you're stressed, you don't know how you're reacting. You're not being rational, Mm -hmm. right? It's hard for you to go inward to really figure out what am I feeling? Why am I feeling it, right? So you are just reacting. And that's what's happening now in nursing. And, And one of the reasons that we're in this nursing shortage crisis, one, right? <laughs> Not the reason, one of the reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I, I think it's so important, the work you're doing uh, for nurses. And really, you know, for us as nurses, we have power. Mm-hmm. And I feel like when we're so stressed out and we're in crisis mode, you don't understand the magnitude of your power for change. I don't yeah. think we realize individually we have power. And collectively, we have lots of power. Mm-hmm. We don't real, we do not realize, and and it literally just starts with one, right? It just it's it starts with 
it starts with one. It literally takes one ripple to start a wave. It, it takes one question to start an answer response. It just takes one spark to start a flame. And so whether or not you are a public speaker or whether or not you are shy, you're extrovert, you're introvert, whatever your human design is, it literally just takes one person to just get it going. Um, and, the, and if you are with a collective, if you're with like-minded people who are also interested in this change, then your power, you're powerful. There's so there's power in numbers. And the spotlight is on nursing right now as an industry. It really is. And it, it frustrates me that we're not taking advantage and leveraging that the way we should be. We're so busy complaining about the what isn't instead of collectively saying this is what we demand. Because we're we're we are being looked at under a microscope, and literally, this is the time for us to say, "All right, here's what we want. <laughs> here's our, our terms and conditions. This is what we're not going to do. This is what we are going to do." Um, and to collectively organize to get this together, you don't really see much disorganization in other fields like the physicians or providers, right? A lot of people are saying, "Well, providers don't get in trouble for med errors." Providers are really good with lobbying. Providers are really good with keeping in contact with lawmakers and policymakers. Providers are really good with attending meetings, with voting, with putting their money together. Providers are really good with making sure that they have to do everything they have to do to keep themselves safe, right? It's not the same for nursing. Boom. I just wanted to say that. Boom. <laughs> hit the nail on the head. It, it's so right. We bitch and moan is what it's called, right? Yeah. <laughs> we bitch and moan, and that does not move the needle. And right now is the optimal time for us to make shifts, not yeah. just leave the bedside or leave the institution, but be part of the solution. Yeah, it, because it's, it's, so, it's so true. And I said this before the pandemic got out of control. I, I and, and one thing about me is I like to talk and I like to record myself talking. So I have the receipts. I have said multiple times on Instagram, nursing is about to be turned upside down and on its head. And at the end of this reconstruction period, and it's time to rebuild, during the rebuilding phase, it's not the time to create the blueprint. The blueprint is usually happen before the construction starts. And so while nursing is currently going through the construction, we already want to be on the other side of that when the smoke clears to say, all right, ready to talk. We already know what we want. Right now, we're still trying to figure it out. And there's so many different people who are influential in nursing, but not leaders in nursing. And that's a huge difference. And so these people who are influential are creating conversations, which, you know, which are great that you, because the conversation creates awareness. So they're creating the conversation, but then what does that do? It leaves people with emotion. It rallies them up and gets them full of emotion. And then that is not directed somewhere that's productive, right? And, and then that's that's where our gap is in nursing is we don't have enough organization around the productivity and what change looks like for us. Granted, there's multiple things that need to be changed. And looking at it from an organizational strategic standpoint, change needs to happen in phases, right? Because you can't do everything at one time. You cannot, cannot. Um, you can have different points that you want to hit, but there's also timelines. 
And what's happening right now in nursing is there's so many different conversations that's occurring, but they're not strategic in a way where it's like phase one, phase two, (laughs) phase three. Everybody wants everything to happen at once. And it's unfortunate. No, that's that's you're right. They want it tomorrow, but it's it's a process and it is a stepwise approach. So for our leaders who, who are listening right now, what can they do to help themselves and their staff think about emotional intelligence? I would love to see leadership bring humanity back into like staff meetings. <laughs> I would love to see leadership to to for one second just connect on a human empathetic level with their um, their staff. Just just literally start from there. There is some missing pieces of what the organization needs and what the the bedside nurse, the staff nurse can provide. And leadership is the one that's managing all of that, but we're missing humanity. And due to the pandemic, due to current nursing issues, right? Um, Due to hot topics, current events, social injustice, and all of that, we need to circle back to what is the core of nursing? What, 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 what is nursing? And if it's the art of science and compassion, then we need to have that amongst ourselves, with ourselves, with our peers. And leaders need to be the ones to role model that and to start that. We Everything doesn't have to be business all the time. And I think if we sometimes realize that everything doesn't have to be business all the time, that you can create these relationships and then with the relationships, then you can start about, all right, what does change look like? Well, I think they all need to contact you and bring you in to talk to <laughs> their I leader. I think so too, yes. <laughs> yes. Call oh, Tiffany. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to kind of shift a little bit in terms yes. of the uh, new nurse academy you have. Tell us a little bit about that, because I think it's so important that the issues that are going on now that... Uh, you know, higher ed institutions, schools of nursing are thinking about these things and thinking about changing the curriculum to include some of these things like emotional intelligence, stress management, self-care, wellness, all of the above to launch these nurses out into the field. Because what's happening now, they're using the same curriculum. Nothing is really changing, but they're still pumping out nurses into this environment that we're talking about. So yeah. talk a little bit about your uh, New Nurse Academy and uh, what you're doing there. Yeah, so New Nurse Academy has transitioned now currently into where new nurse conversations are happening. Uh, new nurse methodology, new nurse education, new nurse teaching. And, um, and, and it's really about creating new culture in nursing, right? And so the new nurse, not necessarily new grad, right? It's l- the new nurse, the new mindset of the new nurse and, and what does that look like? And so with New Nurse Academy, it is a home for all things psychological safety, emotional intelligence, and professional development. It's where student nurses come to learn what it is to be successful in nursing school. It's where new nurses come to transition into the profession. And it's where 
nurses with lots of um, experience and years on the fields come to really think about and reevaluate their approach to nursing from an emotional intelligent lens. And so that is that is where my business is now. But where it started, New Nurse Academy really was about the new grad nurse and, and helping them pass the NCLEX. But I realized that my responsibility as a nursing educator is more than helping people pass a test because they were passing the NCLEX and still becoming nurses and, and still not able to get it, not because they were novice and not because they were clinically inexperienced, but because what they thought nursing was and then what nursing was when they signed that contract and started working was two completely different things, two completely different things. And so to me, it was like, wow, you really have no clue because clinical is not a good representation of what nursing is. And as a clinical instructor, I can def- I can definitely say that how schools um, structure clinical is not is not realistic at all to what's happening. And now take the past two years, <laughs> it definitely isn't realistic or even close to what's happening. Um, and the student nurse is further removed from the reality of nursing because they're doing a lot of things virtually. They're doing a lot of things during SIM. Their clinical hours have been cut short across the board for a lot of places. And so if we don't know from the inside what the new student needs when they come to us, and if the new student don't know what to ask when they come into the setting, then then you that's the start of a, of a storm. Um, so in me, just getting coached and developed myself, I realized it's deeper than just let me help you pass the NCLEX. We need to have different discussion on what what does this nursing look like? <laughs> what is this? And what does it look like? And why does it look like this? You bring up another good point about development. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, as nurses, we're so focused on, you know, getting our continuing education credits, but we forget about personal development, professional development, not just to clock, you know, credits, but yourself, how are you developing? And now is the time, like coaching is, you know, it's a billion dollar industry, billions of dollars, you know, but people really need to think about that. What do I need? What gaps do I have? And who can you seek to help you fill those gaps? So important. And we don't think about that as nurses. We we, we definitely don't think about that. Um, Because you can learn so much. Like you said, you know, we're better together. Um, and there's a lot of nurse coaches out there, you know, I consider you a, a nurse coach, right? In, in terms of emotional intelligence, but link up with the people who can help you fill your gaps. What are your gaps, first of all? And then who can help you fill them? <laughs> so one, of the, one of the things that I say is ADPI yourself, right? So we know ADPI. Assess, diagnose, plan, intervene, evaluate, right? Everything we do in nursing from like a therapeutic communication point of view, a psychological safety point of view, and an education point of view, it's all patient facing. Those things work on us too. And if we add pie ourselves and literally start with self-assessment, a needs assessment, what do I need? What does that look like? And then how do I create my my nursing diagnosis, right? So ineffective blank as evidenced by blank. You can do that for yourself. (laughs) You can. And then create a plan and then actually do the plan and then evaluate if the plan works. We don't even think to like, 
we don't think that we need that. We don't think we need the development because nursing is so clinically skilled, pushed and focused. And so the value that you place on me is whether or not I can put in um, IVs on hard sticks, right? The value you place on me is whether or not I can get this Foley catheter in on one try. That, that, That holds more weight than whether or not I can have a conversation with you. It's just unfortunate. That's why we need to shift the profession right now. Like everything we're doing, we're we're shifting, right? And like you said, it's not going to go away. This is the optimal time where we're shifting. So uh, better in numbers, better in numbers. So there's a lot of things going on in the media right now. (laughs) And you, you kind of alluded to medication errors, but tell us your thoughts on medication errors and, you know, the nurse who just got convicted for murder for, you know, the medication error. What are your thoughts on that? I know you had a live on Instagram on that. And I would just love to mm-hmm. capture your thoughts on the nurse wellness podcast. Yes. So in particular to the case in Vanderbilt, uh, two things can be true at the same time. Vanderbilt had lots of systemic issues that caused the nurse to not be as successful as she could have been caused the patient to be in an environment where the culture of safety wasn't priority. Um, And it caused a situation where system errors weren't followed up on and communication was lacking. So, So that is very true. And they should be held accountable for the systemic things that they had going on. And then also the way they handled it once the event happened. There's lots of liability there. The nurse had personal agency that she did not follow up on aside from the systemic failures that Vanderbilt had. Looking at the 10, 10, 10, 10 medication frights of safety, 10 of them, right? Um, And looking at all of them, but starting at the basic five, which is the right med, the right dose, she didn't even read the vial. And she admitted to not reading the vial. So let's not even talk about if it was a verbal order, was she able to scan? Did she override? Like, let's not talk about the logistics of how the med was received when it was time to draw it and when it was time to give it. She did not read what it was. And that's what it boils down to. And that is gross negligence. That's not an accident. That's not an error. That was a failure to to do your due diligence and a failure to actively participate in the safeguards that we have to protect our license and to protect our patients, coupled with everything that Vanderbilt had going on. But when nurses realize that we are literally the last stop between medication and patient, then I think they would take these medication rights a little bit more seriously. It's not something that we have in place just to take up our time. We have it there as a safeguard for a reason. Can you imagine if the aviation industry did not did their safety checks every time a plane flew? There'd be planes dropping out the sky. If air traffic control was like, I do this all the time. I already know what it is. (laughs) Like, can you imagine if there weren't um, timeouts in the OR? We would have an increase because it's already errors, but we have an increase in errors, 
right? There's there's certain situations that are that are mandatory, regardless if I was a nurse in the middle of the jungle or if I was a nurse in a high tech hospital. I have personal integrity and responsibility as the professional giving the med to make sure that the meds that I'm giving is the correct med. And that part was missing. And so she is she is liable for her gross negligence. Whether or not it should be criminal, that's a, that's a judicial thing. And, and that's not my lane. Um, I do think she needs to be held liable. Do I think jail time is the answer? No, I put that out there. I don't think jail time is an answer. But we do want to say that a, a, sent, a sentinel event happened, a sentinel event happened, and a preventable death occurred. Someone died, period, point blank. And it died at the hands of someone who did not take the time to read the vial, period. And then that's that. <laughs> Those are my thoughts. And thank you. That, that was beautiful because I want everyone who's listening to get the facts. Don't just jump on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. Make your own decision, right? Because there's a lot going on, right? And everybody want to push blame, but lay the facts out, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what you exactly did. You did it so beautifully. Thank you so much. But that speaks to what we were talking about earlier, the systems where we can be part of the change. What's going on in the healthcare system? What more education do nurses need? Why, why did that happen? What are some things that are going on that can contribute to that nurse, maybe not reading the vial, right? Or, or whatever. But this is where we come in as the change agent to shift yes. and shake things up, disrupt, as you say, right? Yes. But something, they're already disrupted. At, at many institutions, we already have disruption. <laughs> so we got to, you know, put it together. So I think this is, uh, this case needs to be, be taken and not just on social media, giving your opinion, but what are you going to do yeah. as an individual to make sure that doesn't happen in your institution or yeah. what policies or lack thereof is missing in your institution that you need to kind of change and shift. You know what I mean? So take it a step further. Like you were saying, take it off social media, mm-hmm. really make the change. So, okay. so yes. So uh, Tiffany, this has been great. Before we get to the rapid fire, I want you to tell everyone how they can get in contact with you. Absolutely. So I am on all social media platforms, um, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and uh, Facebook as New Nurse Academy. Um, I spend most of my time on Instagram. So you can find me over there sharing my thoughts just in the moment and going live and doing Q&A. And you can also find me on my website, www.newnurse-academy.com. Awesome. All right. So are you ready for the rapid fire? I'm ready. I'm ready. (laughs) Let's go. Wellness means? Oh, wellness means wholeness. I know I'm stressed when? Oh, when I'm over everything. (laughs) (laughs) My go-to stress management solution is? Sleep. The last time I had a belly laugh was? Oh, over the weekend. Tell us what happened. So I went on a retreat with my mastermind, my coaching business mastermind over the weekend. And we all stayed in an Airbnb in Atlanta. And we were having a conversation with one of the ladies. I don't remember the source of the conversation, but the answer to her question, have you ever seen that meme of this guy at the pulpit? And I believe he's reading from Genesis and he gets stuck at the word beginning. 
And he goes in the meninging. And he spends like maybe five minutes trying to uh, trying to pronounce beginning. And clearly English isn't his his uh, first language, but it's the way that he is trying to persevere through this word. And he does a little dance to try to get this rhythm. And we pulled out that meme to answer her question and literally almost peed myself because it was, it was hilarious. And that was the secret joke for the day. And so now every time somebody says something incorrectly, we go in the beginning. <laughs> so that, that was kind of, it was like one of those, you had to be their jokes, but that was hilarious to us. Yes. 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 Awesome. If you can go anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh, um, so I am Jamaican and there is a house in the hills of St. Anne's that I will always return to no matter what. It's in the mountains, but it overlooks the ocean and it's just green and lush and it smells like the earth and it's amazing. And it is my safe place. Awesome. What book would you recommend to a new nurse to read? Emotional Intelligence (laughs) 2.0. Yes, that that book, Emotional (laughs) Intelligence 2.0. And my last question is, one thing I learned about myself during the pandemic is? That time freedom is extremely valuable to me. Having autonomy of my time and having my day look the way I want it to look and I can create a routine on my clock and not somebody else's clock is extremely important to me. I remember when the pandemic first started and everyone complained about quarantining at home, but I still had to get my behind up and go to work every day and was not sure what I was working into. And I'm like, I I would trade places with you in a heartbeat you put on scrubs and go to work and and walk into this environment where you don't know if you're bringing anything back home to your family. And I can stay here and be on a computer all day. That's fine. We can do that. Um, And I I shifted because I no longer work in a hospital anymore. I no longer have a W-2 job. I'm I'm literally out here as a full-fledged entrepreneur as of two weeks ago. Um, And so in the past two years, the pandemic has showed me, listen, you, life is going life. <laughs> so what, what are you going to do to, to, to get through it? And, and I realized time freedom, time freedom is so important to me. And so everything that I do is to create the schedule that I want and to be energetically aligned with everything that I do. That is amazing. And that is a beautiful note to end this episode on. Thank you so much, Tiffany, for being here. We will have to definitely have you back. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Between episodes, you can follow the Nurse Wellness Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Before you go, I would love to share a free mindfulness ebook with you. Go to stressblueprint.com backslash 35 and download your free copy. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best.